This ain't no joke, this ain't no game. This that CSC game. They said pull up, so I came. You better put some respect on their name. Yeah, 55 was goody. Kill the vibe, how could he? Big car don't want a hoodie. Let me break it down for you fully. This ain't your average broadcast. This ain't just no podcast. The mother show spread fake news. We just call them fraudcast. West, Joey, Sam, Sean, Dalton. And you know that boy Higgy. He said he don't want no small fries. Tell them they better make them biggie. Yeah, you already know what we be on. We got the crown, we hold the throne. We throw the mails and you take them home. When they ring the bells, you know that it's home. The bar set, we setting the tone. If we set it, then set it in stone. Now sit in the seat and set up your phone. You in the car, no sports zone. <laughs> set it. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of the Cardinal Sports Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wallman. We bring you this week another fine episode of Game Day Prep. That's where we, we sit down with people from opposing teams, that, you know, the people that cover the opposing teams. And, uh, you know, we talk a little shop. We have a little fun. Uh, we try not to get too personal. And, uh, you know, we just have a good time. Today, uh, I brought on someone who ta- uh, to talk to us who, represent, who represents the site that I have followed from the very beginning of our trip into the ACC. Uh, they were on with us on our radio show back a couple years ago when we were on ESPN Louisville. Uh, the site's called Rubbing the Rock, and they're the best at what they do, in my opinion. Today from Rubbing the Rock, we have my guy Sean Spencer. Sean, what's up? How you doing, my man? What's up, man? Happy to be on. Man, we are, we are so happy to have you again, as I stated. Rubbing the Rock, one of the best ones out there. I mean, I would say the best. I don't have a full knowledge of all of them, but every dealings I've had with them, we've come on, uh, we've done stuff with them on their website. They've done stuff with us on our website. They've come on our show and so forth, so on and so forth. Always been a great experience. Appreciate you guys. Uh, we're just going to jump right into things tonight, though, because it's 8 o'clock. So for me, you know what that means. It's time for monday night raw we're recording this on a monday night so <laughs> i'm about to watch you know i'm, I'm gonna do this I, I love this more so i'm gonna do this then i'm gonna watch wrestling uh and enjoy the rest of my evening but so let's jump right into it. this game 7 30 prime time game depending on what site you look at where uh louisville is a four to five point underdog um so we're getting to game day prep the way we do game day prep sean is i ask five fun questions and then we get down to business in the less in the last five so let's get started. So the first question I have for you, you cover a team that has seemingly become a powerhouse overnight. And when I say overnight, overnight in college football is like over a 15-year period. So for you, and I don't know how old you are or how long you've covered Clemson, but how, how has that felt? Uh, you know, because everybody just assume, you know, even if you ask them now, they're like, it's Alabama and everybody else. But if you ask me, like Clemson is is right up there with them, and that's something that they had to build on to get to, and uh, and and your head coach helped get that done, and the environment there, everything. So how's that felt to cover a team that has kind of went like I don't want to say from rags to riches because y'all certainly weren't in rags, y'all, y'all were in in fine bath towels, if you will. Uh, <laughs> but how's that felt to kind of like you know y'all took that? Not a lot of college football teams take that next step. It's for literally for about the last 15 to 20 years, it's been Alabama and everybody else. And then the last, you know, like I said, the last 10, last 10, y'all, y'all have crept up there and y'all are the gold standard in college football, in my opinion. So I've already asked you twice. Again, I told you before we got on here, I said, man, I love to talk. Sometimes you got to reel me in. So I'm going to go ahead and shut up for a second. How, how has this felt to cover the Clemson Tigers? 
Hey, well, I got to say first, you know, you talk about wrestling. I'm kind of an AEW fan, so. You know, All right, and that's been about, this week's episode of the Cardinal Sports Zone Podcast. We'll talk to y'all next week. No, I'm just kidding. I love all wrestling. I actually live here in Louisville, which is home of OVW. Uh, so, mm-hmm. big wrestling fan my whole life. But go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just going to joke with you there. Yeah, for a so, you know, you're talking about rags to riches. Uh, just, just absolutely phenomenal what they're doing. But talking about Clemson for a minute, uh, you know, I, I've grown up my whole life a Clemson fan um and I started covering the team right as Deshaun Watson came in in 20, 2014 so that was kind of the first year that I started professionally writing about Clemson okay and so it was crazy to see and and it's been it's been a fun ride to see the development and the just the way that Dabo has built the program. Um, it's something that, I mean, back in 2005 when Tommy Bowden was the coach, you never thought that was going to happen. You know, you say, you know, fine, fine towels, but um, no, there were some real bad years in there, especially in the 90s and um, kind of that post-Danny Ford era <laughs> where Clemson was just – Clemson never found – itself you know you had Tommy West and Ken Hatfield and then Bowden came along and there was just that time where it was like you know is that is that going to be what we are you know we're going to be that that seven and five that eight and four team that you know gets ever so close to winning the Atlantic and, and falls short basically every year um but Bowden beat South Carolina so at least he had that going for him <laughs> but uh you know so there was kind of just that that whole period of time between, you know, the 80s when Clemson was dominant. You know, they just won now one national championship, but it, it was a dominant period, um, you know, where they had several top ten finishes and stuff. And just that whole, you know, couple of decades of just wondering, you know, are they ever going to get back to any kind of relevancy nationally? And it's, it's, it has, it's been crazy to see the way that Dabo has built the program. And, um, you know, it's just, it has been a fun ride. It's been, been cool. Six straight playoffs, uh, you know, six straight ACC championships, obviously the playoffs not happening this year and the (laughs) ACC championships not looking great right now, but it's just, I mean, it's been a lot of fun to, to cover the program and to see, that growth and to see, uh, you know, just a, a difference in, you know, when I go out to, I mean, I can tell you like back in 2005, that era with Bowden, I mean, you could take a trip somewhere and people would see that Clemson hat and they'd be like, is that one of your high, is that a high school hat? You know, what is that? And, and now, you know, making the trip out to Arizona or, you know, to, Dallas and some of the places Clemson has been, people see that hat and they recognize the Paul. They know who Clemson is. And so you're right in saying that. And they obviously got a long way to go, but it has been fun just to kind of see that growth and development. Absolutely. And, and we here, here at Louisville have been waiting for a long time. We were on the cusp of it. And then we kind of got Cragthorpe there for, for a couple of years. So, that, that stunted our growth. But I, but I want to tell you this, though. Here in, in the state of Kentucky, the Clemson Paw has always been 
noticed and prevalent, mostly because, and this is what kind of made y'all a natural rival for us. Well, I mean, it's not really a rivalry when you don't win a game, but uh, a, a natural oh, hated team, not really hated, but, you know, okay, this is going to be the team that we want to, because I'll be honest with you, coming into the ACC, I thought it was going to be reversed. I thought it was going to be you all. And now you got to remember at this time, Y'all were right on the ver- y- verge of it. Y'all hadn't really hit it yet. Y'all were just starting to or whatever. But I was like, all right, so we'll sp- we'll we'll win every other year against Clemson, and then Florida State's just going to completely dominate us. And then they fell flat on the rear ends, and, and and y'all shot straight up. But the the Clemson, Paul being prevalent here, the reason why it made it such a natural rival for us is because all the Kentucky f- basketball fans are Clemson football fans. So we see the Clemson gear all over town and have since I was a little – I don't know how that makes y'all feel. I don't know if y'all even knew that. But uh, the, Kentucky football sucks, uh, and they always <laughs> have. Uh, they, they're having a good year this year. They're having a decent year. They're beating the teams that they would normally lose to. So kudos uh, on that. But, no, their fans uh, – if I had to evenly do this, they're 30% Alabama fans, 40% Clemson fans, and then 30% Notre Dame fans. So you ha- you have that wide range of you can tell who was the best team in the country because that's because they're also Yankees fans, Celtics fans, uh every every uh every team that does well that's who they jump on their bandwagon. So uh yeah. So so just so you know here here in the the state of Kentucky, the Clemson Pauls always been uh noticed and respected. Uh question number 2. Now, I've asked this question on every edition of Game Day Prep so far. And even though it's been a while, what are your overall feelings and thoughts on Louisville as an addition to the ACC? I think Louisville has been one of the better additions. You know, I, there was a, you know, during the summer where we kind of dove into looking back at, at you know, because conference expansion was such a big topic back in the summer, and it's going to continue to be. But to me – Louisville did what Syracuse and even Boston College and, you know, just some, even, you know, Miami comes in and supposed to be a football powerhouse and they just haven't been. And the one thing that I'll say about Louisville is that there has at least been some football success that, you know, because, yes, basketball is important. And I know up there in the state of Kentucky, obviously huge deal but you know the money is in football and i just to me louisville has had some top 25 finishes that's always been a program that at least since you've been in the acc hasn't ever been a pushover and to me that has made that has made them a a good addition you know compared to like a Syracuse who, you know, they've had some basketball success and that's fine. But I mean, if you can't offer much on the football end, you're not, you're not giving to the conference very much because right. the money's in football. Absolutely. So that was kind of one of the things that we looked at over the summer was just, you know, the, the revenue and how the ACC network is, you know, generating money and, you know, going forward, the conference has got to find a way to get better and be more relevant in football if they're going to compete with, you know, the SEC and the Big Ten. 
some of those other conferences as far as revenue is concerned. But that's a that's a different discussion. But to me, I think Louisville has been a great addition. I've enjoyed the rivalries. I've enjoyed, you know, back in just a few years ago, the Lamar Jackson, Deshaun Watson yeah, uh, game yeah. is one of the highlights of my fandom, professional, whatever you want to call it. It was just a fun atmosphere. And seeing those two guys, you knew they were both going to be special. And so to me, it's 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 been a fun rivalry. It's been fun that, you know, Louisville's one of those teams that there's been a few times Clemson's been double-digit favorite, and you come in and all of a sudden you're in the fourth quarter and it's a three-point game. So Louisville's one of those teams that, to me, has really gone with respect because of how they've played Clemson for the most part during, you know, this run where Clemson's kind of dominated everybody. seems like Louisville still has been one of those teams that can give them a game. We're we're trying, buddy. I promise you, it may not feel like it, but I will say this: you are correct. The first, uh, so we've been in the AC. Is this our seventh year in the ACC? I should have I should have wrote that down. I don't do well with the the whole prep thing, uh, even though that's ironic because the name of the show is Game Day Prep. But uh, I think this is like our seventh year in the ACC. And the first, the first three or four years, you're right. It was a dogfight, and even that fourth year, we I believe we were. Uh, that was the game that was. Maybe it wasn't the fourth year. Maybe this was, I'm thinking of the third year. Y'all came in – no, third year would have been – so it was the fourth year. The fourth year, y'all came into town, and it was a battle all the way up into the third quarter. We had a couple interceptions that game. Uh, yep. Great defensive battle, and then we got tired. And you all put your third-string five stars in and ran us off the field. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, no, I, I – I'll be honest with you, my favorite baseball rivalry in the ACC is Clemson because you never know, like, the, the whole Seth Beer-Brendan McKay battles. Like, though, that was so – from I mean, because Louisville – a lot of people think Louisville and they think basketball or football, but over the last 16 years, Louisville baseball has been a force nationally. And Dan McDonald is uh, – Dan McDonald – is one of the best coaches in the country and continues to, to get us to the World Series about every other year. And, and so when we, when we look, yeah, when we look at our ACC rival it, uh, in baseball, it's definitely, it's definitely Clemson, maybe Virginia close second, but Clemson is the, uh, Clemson is, is the team that we love to play. I, I go to all the home games. So I mark, I put circles on the calendar around the Clemson games because I do not want to miss those. Question number three, I've had this asked by thousands of people, so I have to ask you, why do you all rush the field after beating a bad team? <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I put that on there, I can show you, it says I'm just kidding. Can you explain to the people out there, because I know that gets frustrating. People are like, oh, they just beat Kent State, why are they rushing the field? That's not what it is. Can you explain to them what yeah. y'all are doing? Yeah, I like you've been there before, jeez, what's wrong? <laughs> Six straight playoffs, y'all rush the field. Yeah, so that was something that's been going on for years and well before I was born and before where it's a it's a tradition called Gather Out the Paul where Clemson fans get on the field and they kind of surround the team some and everybody sings the alma mater together. And it's just been something that, I mean, they've done for years and years and years. And uh, it's kind of been a special thing. I'll go ahead and tell you that uh, it's probably coming to an end. So people won't be able to, 
to throw that at Clemson anymore. You know, obviously they, mm-hmm. they, uh, you know, last year with COVID and everything didn't do it. And then this year they haven't done it so far. And so I, I'm thinking, you know, even security wise with stuff like that, people being around all the players that it may be something that kind of gets slowly phased out, but even so, it's it's been a tradition that Clemson's had for a long time, and it's it's a special thing getting to go on the field. And you know, you'll see afterwards, kids are going and catching touchdowns in the end zone, That's awesome. and uh, you know, stuff like that. But yeah, so it's a tradition that they've had: go on the field, sing alma mater, just uh, lots of people go. And you know, Clemson. I don't know if you've ever been to a game at Clemson, but one of the fun special things is it's 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 like a big family. And so you've got people that, you know, you're around and the only time you see them is those six or seven Saturdays a year. <laughs> and so a lot of times there'll be people that'll be, you know, there's, you know, your seats are on the north side of the stadium. Your friends are on the south. Paul and, you know, they'll go and catch up right there on the field after the game. So it's, it's, it's been a fun tradition. I hope that it continues, but. Like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they kind of slowly, silently start to phase that out. Yeah, and that is, you know, that's one of the one of the good. I mean, y'all have that. That's the one thing I will say. I have not made it to a game yet. I was supposed to be at the Lamar, uh, the Lamar Deshaun shootout, and I had a family issue I had to tend to that kept me from going to that one. Which I still to this day I'm like, eh, I had to take care of the family though. That's most important, but. No, yeah. that's the one thing. After uh, one of our writers at the website, Jeff Nunn, he posted a story, uh, and you all shared it and posted it on your website about his experience and about how he wanted to come down there and just hate, hate everybody and just have it be a good uh, in, in a play in a in a fun way, not like wish death upon y'all, but uh, just he he couldn't because er, welcome to Clemson, just every five seconds and uh, just when y'all come to town here, there's an influx of two dollar bills and with with orange paw stamps on it it's just you could you couldn't hate you all if, if we wanted to just they all everybody talked about was how nice everybody was and how welcome they felt and even after the game and it was a loss people were like oh sure sorry things didn't go out i mean not and not even like in the kentucky way where they do that to be douchebags like you all were genuinely concerned for our mental well-beings after the loss because it was such a great game. So, yeah, I have nothing bad to say. Every Clemson fan I've talked to, uh, I have I have hundreds of Clemson fans that follow me just for my, my takes on on the Louisville Clemson in all sports. So, I mean, never had a negative, uh, negative interaction with any of them. One of them is like one of my, I say, best Twitter friends. I mean, it's not like it's real life, but I talk to him on Twitter all the time. His name's like at Rich the Ruler. And just mm-hmm. like any time Louisville's playing on TV and they're playing a good game, I get a DM. Hey, man, y'all are playing really well tonight. Hope y'all get the W. And like it just no, – I have nothing bad to say whatsoever, whatsoever about Clemson or the fan base. Uh, question number four, favorite, your favorite Louisville player of all time that is not named Lamar Jackson or Teddy Bridgewater? Oh, man. You should say James Quick because he's the reason y'all won that game. Uh, I, <laughs> I was thinking about that. Uh, man, let me think about this for a second. 
You have I, to I know, know you say you can't say I'm not Jeff. Yeah. Like, to me, I was just so impressed with him during, you know, his time. I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, Louisville football, but during that time when he was with Louisville, I had to be how special he was. And so I, I know you said I can't say him. So I, I'll let you know what y'all are always so nice to us. I'll let you say him. You can have him. Maybe, maybe another guy. Just seeing him play with Tom Brady, I really like Deion Branch. I didn't watch him a ton at Louisville, but. You know, seeing him play with the Patriots and do what he did, win a Super Bowl, he might want to. But, you know, I think he was a special player. Just the way he was able to, uh, you know, just the, the pure athleticism and the way he could create separation and everything. So maybe that – maybe he is my next guy. There but to go. me, to me, I, I got to go Lamar Jackson. I know you said not to, but – I, I know it's a cop-out answer. I'm sorry. You're the first person to challenge me on that, though. That's what's most and, – and I'm not even going to argue with it because y'all are the nicest people on earth. So, I'll go ahead and let you ha- – you ask, please. You said please. I'm going to ahead. I'll, you, you got him. You get Lamar. <laughs> uh, the la- the last lighthearted qu- – I mean, they're all going to – none of them are going to – I'm not going to send you any hardballs uh, questions. So, uh, question number five. Before we move to the second half, for the Cardinal fans who haven't ever made the trip to Clemson and are going to go this next season, what do they need to see and where do they need to eat? Because, as I've said, every episode of this uh, podcast, Cardinal fans love to do a, a few things. They like to tailgate. They like to drink until they black out. They like to sh- start <laughs> showing up in the second quarter of the football game, and the, and they like to eat. They like to eat. So, uh, where do where do they need? What are some some must must go places there. Well, I'll go ahead and tell you if you can only go to one place and you like to eat, you need to try smoking pig. Um, excellent barbecue, good brisket, um, barbecue chicken. It's it's a different style of barbecue than what you're probably used to up in Kentucky. It's that Carolina barbecue style, but it's really good. Um, really just. To me, off the chain, whenever I go, I, I always try to stop at Smoking Pig and get something. Um, SO Club is a huge deal down there. Uh, lots of fun. Wouldn't recommend going there on a game day because it'll be kind of packed. Right. But if you're kind of coming in on a Friday night, stop by SO Club. Um, lots of fun. It's a good place to go and watch games if you're sticking in town, you know, for a Sunday and want to go watch you know, some NFL or something. That's a lot of fun. And then I'd also recommend just go up to some Clemson fans tailgates. Uh, You know, you talked about Clemson fans being welcoming and I've seen it over and over again, you know, go, go find some Clemson fans. They'd be more than happy to host you, you know, find somebody that's got a grill smells good. Uh, (laughs) You know, uh, maybe they got a couple TVs lined up with some games and, and they'll fix you right up. There you go. That's what I like to hear. Now, I want to ask that. I know I said I was out of the, the lighthearted questions, but I just have to ask you this because this guy is the only – I said earlier, I don't know how I forgot this guy, is the only Clemson fan that absolutely just gets under my skin, and he called into our radio show after that Clemson win down here in Louisville. We were doing the post game, and he just made fun of every person on the radio, all of our moms, our dads, our grannies. 
I know, I know you probably, I probably don't even have to say his name. I will though, just so you don't name somebody else. But Clemson Tom, is he as, I mean, <laughs> is is that just the way he is or is he just, I, I don't know. I just, he gets under my skin. Man, I, I have never had a bad experience with Clemson Tom. Maybe that was <laughs> one of his, maybe that was one of his bad days. Most of the time he's, He's a, a pretty lighthearted dude. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe he was just trying to pick some fun. He used to do a lot of videos that were like trash talking videos. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's always normally been in good fun. So that's that's a little out of character for him. But Well, no, he sounded a... very happy while he was doing it. The problem was we had just <laughs> lost the game and we weren't trying to hear nothing like that. But, uh, no, I'm sure he yeah, is a good no. dude. But he just – that night just kind of got he got under my skin and I'm like you know what I'm unfollowing Clemson Tom uh I'm never re-following him and I'll just stick to the six seven hundred Clemson fans that follow me that I do care about so hey I I can't blame you for that there's (laughs) there's definitely a time and place for everything and you know but that that that's not normally him I don't think but I'll go and tell you every fan base you've been really complimentary of Clemson fans every fan base has got those fans you know that Take it too far, just a little obnoxious and everything. But yeah, luckily, I live about I think, sixty miles west from a whole fan base like that, so I understand <laughs> what you mean well, there. We we live with uh, just enamored in one uh, right here in South Carolina. They're just down the road, so uh, we understand your pain a little bit. Do you get just as much flack from South Carolina or North Carolina fl- fans that you do from South Carolina fans? Uh. We've gotten a little more from North Carolina recently, you know, with the Mac Brown emergence. Okay. But uh, South Carolina fans are just, I mean, you you talk about uh, welcoming fans and, and non-welcoming fans. That's, uh, you know, when you've got to dodge glass bottles being thrown at yeah. you. That's not a not a great environment sometimes. So we get what you're saying sometimes with the, uh, <laughs> the fans. Well, I mean, they tried to steal our coach, too, last year, and uh, a lot of our fan base wishes that they would have successfully uh, stolen him. I, I I wasn't one of them. I actually think that he's done a fantastic job, even though the record may not indicate that. Uh, it takes more than two years to build a program, and I truly believe he'll – knock on wood, I truly believe that, that he was the guy for the job, he is the guy for the job, and – I personally have told everybody, uh, especially on uh, this past weekend's episode of the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast, I'm willing to give them the rest of this year and next year before I start criticizing because COVID, uh, it wreaked havoc on everybody. And it, some teams, it was more prevalent. Some teams, it wasn't. We we had 20 players out every game last year, and people still had the nerve to be like, we only won four games. And I'm like, well, you know what? We won four games. So, uh, be it could have been way, way worse. But all right, let's get back on track. Jeremy gets off track. If you listen to the shows, Jeremy gets off track a lot. We'll get back on real quick. Uh, since we're at halftime of the show, I want to thank the fine sponsors of the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast Fitness Market, Shack in the Back Barbecue, Derby City Lawn and Landscaping, All American Pool and Supply Company, and Four Pegs Beer Lounge. Uh, fantastic. We talked about barbecue earlier. He's got them and Shack in the Back both have great brisket great smoked wings and great uh, drink prices on the weekend so go check those check them out all right 
Sean, I got to be honest with you. At the beginning of the season, we did a season preview, and I did something really, really stupid. At the time, I thought it was stupid, uh, but as the time as the time has as each week has went by, it has looked more and more attainable, and I, I say that in the most respectful way because at the beginning of the season on the preview show, I ended the show by saying we're going to go eight and four, and this is the year we're going to beat Clemson. Now I had no idea. I had no idea that Clemson was going to struggle. Uh, still, a struggle season for you all is what most programs strive for. So I, I don't say that with any disrespect, but I said we're going to beat Clemson this year, and then I said even if it's by a COVID forfeit, we're going to get the W this year. Not to make a joke about COVID, but I was like something, something to give the fan base a little something to get excited for. They've been talking all year, like, Jeremy, you might be right. You might be right. Um, so I know that wasn't necessarily a question, but I asked you a few, couple few uh, extra in the first half, and I got a couple few extra in the second half. So that was just more of a statement. Uh, for those of us Louisvillians that don't know, who is, who is the Clemson MVP right now? And is it, and I'm going to give this a shot, DJ Uwe Angelele. Was You're close. Close. You were close. It's Uwe Ungolale. Ungolale. I said lately. I started yodeling at the end of that. I don't know. Gosh, yeah. okay. I'm just gonna so, call him DJU then. Is that cool? That's cool. That's what we <laughs> call him too. I was like, man, I thought I was gonna have. I heard it. I was lit. Now I said earlier, I don't do a lot of the prep, but the one thing I did prep for was to try to, and I've even got it written out. U E capital letters on, and then lowercase letters. Galilee, and I said Galilee, like I was. <laughs> uh, the Kentucky he, came out in me somehow. I was like, "Hey, everybody, let's play the ukulele." So he he's used to it by now. But yeah, after saying it a, a, a bunch of times, it just it rolls off the tongue. Uwe Angolale. So you know, after a while, you get used to it. But Uwe Angolale, uh, I got it that time. As far as MVP for Clemson goes, you've got to look on the defensive side of the ball because the offensive side of the ball has been atrocious. And, and honestly, you know, Dabo and, and we can talk about this further if you want to, but Dabo's talked about how Clemson's just a few plays away from being undefeated. Well, Clemson's also just a few plays away from being like one and six right now. Uh, well, one and seven. So, I mean, it's, it's been a year where the defense has had to come through time and time again and to me, right now, the the MVPs are James Skowski, who's starting middle linebacker, sixty six year senior guy. Um, came back, he missed a game with injuries, but for the most part, has been on the field. And and what he does is he's the quarterback of that defense. He Absolutely. he's basically just an extension of Brent Venables. So he's able to call things and see things. And and there's even been a couple of times where Brent will be calling something and it's fun to watch because he'll be yelling back at coach Venables. Like I, you know, you don't know exactly what he's saying, but it's almost like he's saying, no, this is what I'm seeing. This is what we're supposed to do. And so to have that kind of leadership has helped this defense that has five stars all over the field, but it's helped that defense be even more dominant. I mean, this is a unit that, you know, Georgia's, number one team in the nation, they only gave up three points to Georgia. The other touchdown came off a of pick six. I mean, so as bad as Clemson's offense has been, the defense 
has kept them in games and, and has won them games. So to me, Skowski's that guy. And then another guy is Xavier Thomas. And he's a guy that has been, you know, he, uh, he's been injured. He came back, you know, after a good freshman season, he was overweight and, and never really got into shape during his sophomore year. And then the junior season, he struggled with injuries and COVID and only ended up playing in three or four games. And so there's just been a lot of, you know, him being coming in off of high school. He was the number one defensive end in the nation, going to be, you know, the next great thing, top five pick, all that stuff. And other than the, the flashes you saw as a freshman, it was like, man, where'd that go? And so this year he's gotten back in shape. He lost about 25 pounds and he just looks so much more explosive. And so even when he's not getting to the quarterback, he's causing offensive linemen to pick up Mm -hmm. and that's allowing other guys to get to the quarterback or to, to, to hurry the quarterback or to, to make a play in the backfield. And so to me, those are the two guys that I see as kind of the mid-season MVPs. Yeah, and absolutely. That's almost – a lot of people overlook that, and it's easy to overlook it when the stats don't pop off the sheet. Off the, yeah, off the sheet. But the guy that opens up the holes for everybody else sometimes can be – well, no, it, not sometimes. is just as important as the guys that are recording the sacks uh, and, and, and stuff in the uh, stat sheet there. So, Sean, I had a couple of staffers ask me to ask you some questions because, like I said, Rubbing the Rock is our favorite uh, Clemson, I don't want to call it a blog, a multimedia site, however you want to put it. Some people get offended by the word blog. I'm not one of those. I feel like that's an important uh, as well. But uh, let's start with ours, our Sean. Now, he's a little annoying, but we put up with him. But Sean wants to know, are the offensive issues that Clemson's experiencing this year, is it a system-wide issue? Or is it solely due to the fact that they're going through normal growing pains with a young, relatively inexperienced new quarterback? Oh, man. Can I say both? Yeah, you can. To me, me, Clemson's offensive issues are basically a perfect storm of everything that you just said. Clemson has inexperience everywhere. You're talking about an offensive line that's gotten better during the season, but – you're talking about an offensive line that only had two returning starters and both of those returning starters were playing different positions. So Matt Bockhorst started at center, you know, this year. Well, last year he was playing guard. So it's been an offensive line that's been mixed and matched. And and now he, you know, the senior leader on the team, he's out towards ACL. And so Clemson's also had, I think it's now up to 16 guys who are out for the year with the season ending injuries. So it's kind of been a perfect storm of inexperienced wide receivers, a quarterback who's inaccurate and just is not confident right now. And, and he's gotten better. You can see development, but it's just a, I think it's an inexperienced issue. But then I also think there's something to be said about the system. And the reason I say that is because one thing that Clemson fans has, Clemson fans have complained about even back, you know, two, three, four years ago when they were winning national championships was that Clemson has always been conservative offensively. And what I mean by that is if you go back and look at 
you know, games that Clemson's played, you know, when they ended up beating ACC teams 56 to 7. Even in the first quarter, what you saw a lot of times was Clemson filling out the defense. So what Tony Elliott's done is he will let, you know, he'll let a defense kind of dictate, all right, so you're going to stop this. Well, we're going to do this. And to me, when you think about systems and you think about the the offenses that are succeeding in today's college football, because today's college football is much different than 2018's college football. Yeah. You know, I look at 2019 LSU with Joe Burrow, and I know they had tons of talent. You know, in 2020 Bama, I understand they had tons of talent. But those offenses weren't about let's take what the defense gives us. They were about we're going to do whatever we want to do because we're better than you. (laughs) And that's a different mindset that, to me, Clemson doesn't have offensively. And Clemson hasn't had offensively. It's more of a we're going to methodically put you away. And so this year – when you don't necessarily have that experienced talent, methodically putting away teams isn't working. And so I think Clemson does have to go back to the drawing board and there are going to have to be things changed systematically. Um, I think the good news is you get all that talent back. And the good news is I think they are improving offensively. It's just been a slow and painful process. Absolutely. And trust me, we know about slow and painful improvement. That's our year in a nutshell as well. But there has been improvement. It would be worse if there was not improvement every game. Uh, as I I got blasted for it on Twitter. But you know what? When you do stuff like we do, you say something that you believe in. If you get blasted, it is what it is. You don't really worry about it too much. But I said this was the first game since the opening game of the season that I was kind of disappointed because we didn't improve offensively. Uh, we did improve defensively during this game, and, was, and I got a bunch of, oh, this is the first – we got four losses, and this is the first time you were unhappy? Well, even in the losses to Wake Forest and Virginia, we we had, we had were in the lead in the fourth quarter in both of those games, so it's kind of hard to be disappointed when you had a shot to, to win those games. Uh, but you were talking about the various injuries, and Dalton, he's another one of our site members, said with the various injuries on defense – who do you look to step up as the season nears a conclusion? To me, I look at that back end of the defense, and that's kind of the area that Clemson has been a little, if you want to say vulnerable defensively. I mean, they haven't given up more than 27 points in a game this season, but if you're talking about a little bit of vulnerability, I look at those defensive backs, and to me, a guy that is just playing out of his mind right now is Andrew Booth Jr., starting cornerback. And he, I mean, he's a guy that's that's going to be a first rounder next year. Um, well, in this coming spring's draft, right? And so, to me, he's a guy that's going to have to step up. He's going to take whoever is the best wide receiver the rest of the way through this season, and he's going to put them on an island. And it's going to be up to him to kind of negate whatever um, whatever that receiver is bringing to the offense. So, to me, he's a guy that's going to have to step up. And then uh, another guy that I've been really impressed with that Clemson and, – and you're going to see him a lot this weekend is freshman Barrett Carter. And he's going to play some of that nickel sand role. He's going to play some linebacker. 
he might even drop back and play a little bit of safety. Um, Clemson compares him, and, and I see the comparisons to Isaiah Simmons. And he's just this freak of an athlete who has elite closing speed, but it's also physical. And Clemson's starting more and more to to play him and to trust him in bigger situations. He got his first start last week against Pittsburgh. And I think as the year goes on and you look at what Clemson has left, you know, this week with Malik Cunningham, and then they've got Wake Forest in a couple weeks, and then um, South Carolina, even Doty, he's a running quarterback. I think they're going to use Carter a lot to kind of spy those quarterbacks and kind of to be that guy who's going to be, you know, just that all over the field player. So to me, he's a guy that's going to have to step up because it's going to be on him as a freshman to kind of carry the team a little bit. And so it's kind of interesting with all the experience that it's going to come back to a freshman, but that just kind of shows you the talent that Clemson has. Absolutely. We're tired of y'all getting all the talent. We'd like for y'all to send a little bit of our way if possible um, also, for those of y'all that don't know, out there in Clemson land, uh, is that what they call it? I don't know. I, Clemson Tiger Nation. I, for those of you all that follow Clemson out there, Louisville will be without their starting all-ACC defensive back, Keytrail Clark. He's out for the season, uh, announced today during the Coach Scott Satterfield's press conference. So that's going to uh, that's gonna make a big difference because Keytrail is, is – I would compare him to uh, the gentleman that you spoke the, spoke of as far uh, as far as you know being the difference maker in, in, in the defensive backfield because they don't throw a lot his way because when they do he he either deflects it or picks it off so that's going to be a huge loss for us and I'm not setting up for an excuse later on in the week. Uh, what's that? What'd you say? Oh, okay. Sorry, I lost you for a minute. Oh, okay. I was just saying that Cottrell Clark, he he is a uh, a difference maker on defense. If you throw the ball to him, he's either going to deflect it or intercept it. So that's going to be a big loss. And I'm not saying that set up an excuse in the next few, you know, in the upcoming week if we lose. Oh, it's because we didn't have – no, it's just a fact. We're not going to have Cottrell Clark. Uh, last but not least, now this question's from Higgy, and he, 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 he rarely ever asks good questions, but I thought I'd give him a shot. Uh, he's horrible when it comes to this. I'm just kidding. He wants to know, what would you consider the identity of the – see, he already wrote it incorrect. What do you, What would you consider the identity of this Clemson team to be? They do not seem to be either a run-heavy offense or a pass-heavy offense like they have been in the past. Okay, not too bad of a question there, Higgy. I'll give you a little bit of credit there. Uh, what is the identity of this Clemson team for those who have not been following all of us that have been following are wanting the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so I'll go ahead and tell you what they should be. They should be a team that lines up and runs the ball and runs the ball and runs the ball and runs the ball. But sometimes I don't know if it's because, you know, they're trying to be balanced or trying to still get DJ going. Um, but sometimes they just abandon the run. And, and you've got three, I mean, elite running backs. Will Shipley, Phil Moffa, Kobe Pace. These are three guys that literally anytime they touch the ball could 
go for six. And there are three guys that all are averaging close to five yards of carry, maybe more than that. So, to me, Clemson needs to be feed pace, feed Moffa, feed Shipley, and then use the play action to, you know, open up the passing game a little bit. But we're still figuring that out. I mean, it's – we're going into the last month of the regular season, and Clemson doesn't have an offensive identity right now. Um, the, The offensive identity is we score a touchdown, and then we go two quarters without doing anything. And unfortunately, the last two or three weeks, it's also been just bad, bad, not not inaccurate passes. You can get away with inaccurate passes. Right. But when you throw a shovel screen straight to the defensive tackle, let him run in for six, that's that's just bad. You know, when you don't ever see the defensive end and let him just strip the ball away from you and run in for a touchdown, that's just bad. So <laughs> you can't. As an offense, what Clemson's got to do is they got to find a way to not turn the ball over and to run the ball. They're not going to be the elite offenses that we've seen with Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne or with Deshaun Watson or even with Kelly Bryant. They're just they're not going to be that this year. And so to me, what the offensive identity has got to be is run the ball, go with some tempo every now and then because, interestingly enough, you know, I don't know if it's because he's not thinking as much, but when Clemson's gone tempo, DJ's actually looked a little bit better. So to me, Clemson needs to mix in a little tempo, run the ball, and not turn the ball over. If they can do that, then they'll be fine. But right now, as far as an identity goes, we're still trying to figure that out. And we got four games left, and I don't think we're going to get there. That's that's a very fair uh, assessment there, Sean. Uh, so you kind of told us what Clemson needed to do to win the game, and that's what was going to be my last question. Uh, but the flip side of that question was, what does Louisville have to do to win this game? Louisville's been a team all year that has just kind of methodically went. We also are in a similar situation because we take we don't take two quarters off every game. We just take one off, and it normally comes at the worst time in either the third or the fourth quarter, so that makes me feel a little bit better. Uh, but what does Louisville have to do to win this game? Because Louisville doesn't uh, – the Malik Stone, three interceptions in the last two games for a total of five on the year. Uh, the uh, they don't talk, We don't turn the ball over that much as it is. So what what does Louisville have to do to, to, to come away with this victory Saturday? I think you alluded to it a little bit. You, I think for Louisville to win the game, I, for either team to win the game, I think it's going to have to be through the turnover margin. You can't give Clemson's defense free possessions or, you know, Clemson's offense free possessions because eventually you would think they're going to get in the end zone. They might not. I mean, you might be able to do it all day. But to me, I think Louisville's going to have to hold on to the ball don't have anything, you know, those – those because the thing is, a turnover, yes, it's another possession, but then it's also a momentum shifter. Don't have any of those things that give Clemson, you know, some kind of confidence that, oh, man, we're, we're in control of this game. And then the other thing that I think is you're going to have to use Cunningham's legs. 
you know, one of the if I was pointing out anything that Clemson's defense has struggled with this year, it's against quarterbacks who can extend plays with their legs. And Cunningham can do that. And he can do that well. So to me, find ways to get him out. Um, you know, when the pocket breaks down, he's got to find a way to get out of there and not be sacked and turn, you know, what might be a, uh, what might have been a two yard loss into a six yard gain. And if you can do stuff like that, stay on the field, I think you'll have a good chance. Um, you know, this is not, I mean, I'll go and tell Louisville fans, this is not Clemson that came in here two years ago. That's, that's not what's going to happen. There's a reason that this game is, you know, a three, four, five-point spread. Louisville's got a legitimate chance. And to me, if they can establish a run and not turn the ball over, this is going to be a fourth-quarter game. And, you know, whoever makes those winning plays in the fourth quarter, that's going to be who comes away with the W. So I just looked this up, and this is our eighth football game, uh, eighth season against you all. We didn't. Did we not play last year? How, we may not have. It doesn't, which is odd because of us being in the same division, but it doesn't show. And, and that's not saying that uh, the University of Louisville website cannot be incorrect. I, d- I don't f- re- remember feeling uh, heartache last year at your all's, uh, you know, at your all's hands. But the average margin of victory here in Louisville is 20 points per game. Uh, however, you all are averaging two and a half turnovers per game here. So that gives me a little bit of hope because, as you said, um, it, it's not the the offense that we're used to. So let's get right to the last thing. And I do appreciate your time tonight, uh, taking the time out to talk to me. So it's time to predict the score. And I'm sorry, Sean, I have to do this, but I have to do it for the website. I have to stick to my word at the beginning of the season, do it for the brand. And because I've picked against Louisville too many times this season so far, I'm going to go with the classic 17-14 to 14 win for Louisville. we got a big uh, recruiting weekend this weekend. Uh, the crowd's hungry to see their cards again in action. And dang it, it's time. And if we don't beat y'all this year, it's never going to happen. So uh, <laughs> what is your prediction uh, for this week's game? I think it's going to be close. Um, I'm a little more optimistic about Clemson's offense after they – put up some points against Florida State, but I'm going ahead and telling you, you know, don't be surprised if Clemson scores on the first possession and then they go two quarters without scoring. So after it's seven to nothing and you're thinking, oh man, this is going, you know, it's it's just like the old times. Don't be surprised whenever we get to the fourth quarter and it's 14 to 10 or something like that. And to me, I think Clemson finds a way to win with the defense I think maybe they find a way to get a turnover. And I think it's something like 2017. Um, this is going to be a defensive game. And, you know, a lot of times you say, the, oh, the team that has the ball last might might be the one that wins. No, to me, the team that finds a way to create a turnover is going to be the one who wins. Um, Louisville's got some explosive pieces on offense, but I just – I think that Clemson defense is going to be able to kind of limit them throughout the day, but Clemson's offense isn't going to be good enough to uh, to pull away. So it's going to be a close one, and I, I like Clemson 2017. 
And, and I agree. That was the premise behind my low score prediction as well because I feel like this is going to be a lot like that first game here in Louisville. The uh, game we actually had a chance to send into overtime, and I think we missed a last-second field goal. That was Lamar's freshman year, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly. I, I agree with you. I think it's the defense is going to be the star of the show here uh, on Saturday night, 7.30, primetime game on uh, ESPN. Is it on ESPN 1 or 2? I think it's on just the regular ESPN, correct? I think I so. Want, I want to say it's regular. It might – I start to get everything mixed up now about TV channels. It might be ACC Network. But, um, yeah, 7.30 kicks. You there? Sean. Hello? Yeah, you keep – I don't know what it is. It's not my phone because I'm sitting right next to a, a 5G Wi-Fi beacon. So, yeah, I lost you there for a second. But, yeah, it's Saturday night, 730, either on ESPN or the ACC Network. Uh, you can check for check that – check on that for me while I'm wrapping up the show if you don't mind. Uh, but uh, shout out, uh, Sean. Can you, uh, can you please let the people know where they can find you – find all your work and your social media handle as well, please? Definitely. It's rubbingtherock.com and our Twitter handle is at rubbingtherock. Would love to hear from Louisville fans. You know, do you guys find a way to pull it off? Would love to hear from you. If uh, Clemson comes up with another victory, still would love to hear from you, but we're going to have lots of coverage going into the game this week. Just looking forward to it. Absolutely. And also, we want to not only shout out Sean and Rubbing the Rock, but shout out again to all of our fine sponsors. Fitness Market, Shack in the Back Barbecue, Derby City Line of Landscaping, Four Pegs, All-American Pool and Supply Company. We're working on more. If you'd like to sponsor the Cardinal Sports Zone podcast, give us a call, 502-694-0375, or hit us up on social media. Uh, the website, social media, on Instagram and Twitter, they are at Card Sport Zone. On YouTube, they are Cardinal Sport, or at Cardinal Sports Zone. And on Facebook, it's three words, Cardinal Sports Zone zone hit that like button make your facebook official you can also find the podcast on all the podcast avenues apple itunes buzzsprout spotify stitcher tune in google amazon and iheart hit the subscribe button now if you haven't listened to all the episodes of the cardinal sports zone podcast go back check them all out hit the drop down menu it's podcast and csd podcast our old espn louisville stuff is there as well you can also check out our exclusives there at cardinalsportzone.com the place that i'll begin uh, shout out to everyone out there who is sharing the podcast. We really do appreciate you all uh, in your support. We love y'all. Uh, until next time, this has been Sean. Uh, Sean Spencer. Sorry. Got a frog in my This has been Sean Spencer. This has been Jeremy Wallman. And this has been Game Day Prep. This has been the Cardinal Sports Zone Podcast. Catch y'all next week. <laughs>